0: This is H.P.R. episode 2840 entitled H.P.R. N.Y.E. show
1: 2018-2019 part 3. It is hosted by Honky Magoo
2: and is about 122 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is the H.P.R. community comes together to say Happy New Year and chat.
3: This episode of H.P.R. is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org.
4: Well, how are we all this fine New Year's Eve? Uh, still New Year's morning. See, I'm from this the future. I, I'm a time traveler. Yeah.
2: I'm actually in the future.
5: Oh, no, we're doing pretty good. We have had a couple of interesting conversations on various topics.
2: But no one's talked about trombones in case you were thinking about talking about that today.
4: That sounds like a writing prompt, or a euphemism.
2: I, it wasn't meant to be. I, I just <laughs> kind of pulled it out of the air. <laughs> Yeah,
4: well, that's what you tend to do um, with at the other end of the trombone. That's how you play it.
2: I don't know if we've talked about gaming yet.
4: Well, funnily enough, that was that, the whole reason why um, why I'm actually on macOS, no, macOS, um, iOS. Sorry, is I decided rather than what I, us, what I us, usually did with the the, the 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 HPR New Year thing was just sit at the computer and chat, and wasn't really doing anything in the background. But this time I figured, you know what, I'm going to sit and uh, I'm going to do, the, um, do the, the the obligatory gaming drunk driving thing with Forza Horizon um, while, I'm, while I'm chatting. So uh, I'm not going to push to talk, unless it gets annoying, unless people request that I move on to push to talk, um, then, yeah, so at least that way, I've, it's something to do rather than, rather than just sitting and chatting. But in terms of gaming, um, why is that jerky? Um yeah, and in, in terms of uh in terms of gaming, what do you think see with, with um I've been I've been kinda of wondering about uh the how how badly um Battlefield five and uh Fallout seventy six have kind of backfired. And it almost feels like the like they've pushed it too far basically. Bethesda and EA have pushed it too far where they're trying to cut costs, but they've just cut it too much that the product they've put out at the end is noticeably poorer for the people that would have bought it, and they're, they're not buying it. They've just, pushed, they've just pushed the limits too far, basically. Um, and, and the end result is both of them have went on sale immediately. Both of them have been deemed pretty much flops.
5: Uh, I haven't played any of the Fallout games, so I'm not sure. Most recently for me, it's been Watch Dogs, and um, well, I continue playing Borderlands 2 while I wait impatiently for Borderlands 3.
4: It was it PC or a console or? PC. Aye. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've maybe just got an outdated idea of gaming on a PC, but um, I'm just. I think of a PC as something that the games just keep pushing the envelope, and you don't know what kind of quality you're getting out of the game because you know every every piece of hardware is different, and every combination of hardware is different, and um, it's just. I remember like years ago, it used to be um, used to be watching other people having to mess around with drivers and rebooting this and move this file from here to there, and I think that's probably a thing of the past. To be fair, but um,
5: yeah, there's still some of that going on, especially if you're doing gaming on Linux. Yeah, which I am.
4: Uh, there is um, oh, Borderlands. And, oh, go ahead. No, I was, was going to say the um, it's it's the Xbox One, the PS4 that I'm a game on, and but the more I've looked at it, the more I've, I've been getting kind of interested in like, simulator games ones where you essentially I mean it sounds sad but simulating a job (laughs) and there seems to be an awful lot more variety on on Steam of that type of thing. Cool. As as bizarre as it sounds um, the idea of sitting Doing a, a farming simulator Where you spend 30 seconds driving in a straight line like, bub, 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 bub. <laughs> As you like plough plow the field And turn at to the top And come back down again And turn at the bottom um, You know just that kind of thing um, And so sort of once, once you've got the, the field ploughed Then you go and change the attachment and, and go to another field and do something else And um,
5: you know, I seem to remember That game um in, if I remember right, it was in really good h d or maybe no no, I actually did that
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is quite a few games like that where the simulator it's they take it to the the nth kind of degree of doing that job and Farman was just one one example um seen like the police simulator there's a thief simulator uh there's a uh what's the uh, there's well, an airport simulator, um, there's a American truck driver, or Euro truck simulator kind of thing, um, driving articulated trucks, various places. Um, you know, as, as bizarre as it is, uh, I can sort of see the appeal in them, just as I kind of passing the time, just sort of chilling, um, admiring the scenery.
5: Do they actually, like, it was... Real environments,
4: um, as in real locations around the globe.
5: Yeah, um, yeah, What real pictures or simulated realness of what things actually look at or look like.
4: Um, as as far as I'm aware, yes. Um, the I think there are limited uh, places in the map. Um, these are things that uh, that I've been looking at. I've not actually tried any of them yet. I've just been starting to to explore them, and as I said, I don't play on a PC, and a lot of these are unfortunately Steam only at this point, um, which I'm not aware I can I can run either on an Xbox or or a PlayStation. Um, but as far as I understand, yes, it's um, the the videos I've seen are specific uh, routes between the like, German cities or whatever. Uh, or between American cities, or uh, I don't know, it might be more like the the crew, where it's made to look very close to it, but it's not a, a one-to-one um, recreation of the map, uh, it's kind of contracted a bit, but it might be that, uh, I'm, I'm not sure, I don't know any of the areas enough to, to actually to be able to tell that.
6: Okay.
5: Would you prefer console gaming?
4: Well, I like the idea of just pick up and play, which that could be the case now with PC gaming. It's just, for me, I've always associated that years ago with it being very hit and miss, very um, updates breaking things and, um, you know, that kind of thing. And it also, it also the, the, again, it could just be a perception uh, where... With PC stuff, because, as I say, because everyone's spec is different and everyone's pushing the, the envelope and buying new bits and bobs for it, you, you have to kind of look at the at the spec on the game. Every game you're, you're buying, you've got to sit and look at all the spec to, to make sure and, and try to get an idea how it's going to run on your hardware, and there's always that risk that do you have the the one graphics card that um, that there's a known bug with and there's an update that breaks another game and I, I like the kind of the consistency of a console where it's the same same yeah. piece of hardware that everyone uses. And well, I hear uh,
5: now you can at least hook up a keyboard and mouse to an Xbox. Oh yeah,
4: yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that, that, that. I just find it so much easier to um, play. It Everything, every everyone's using the same spec of machine, the same hardware, um, and it's all tested. Uh, what, what you see on a, on a video and someone else playing it, what you see at your mate's house when they're playing it, that's exactly what you get, you're going to get. Um, and it's all, you can guarantee it's optimised properly for the, um, for the controller, because that's the, the controller that comes with that console, you know.
5: Yeah, I, I, I tend to like the struggle that you get with setting up games, figuring out what broke when there's an update, and things like that.
4: Well, so I take it. So, if you're if you're uh, gaming on um, on Linux, then is that the the Steam app on Linux? I,
5: I do a lot from Steam, and um, with the advent of Proton, uh, it's really kind of broadened my gaming experience on Linux. Made things a little bit simpler. There's still a lot of games that don't work, but there's a lot more that do now.
4: So, yeah. So, so what what is Proton then? Cause I've I've been um, that's not something I've I've been aware of.
5: Pro, oh, Proton. Um, technically, it's still in beta with uh, Steam, but it it is basically a port of um, Play on Linux.
4: Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, right. remember, and, remember that. Yeah. yeah.
5: And it's built into Steam, and you turn on the beta version, and it will allow you to install... Um, well, there's two levels of that beta. There's one that allows you to install any of their approved games that they guarantee will work with Proton that are Windows games exclusives. And then there's um, the other level of the beta that will allow you to install and test any Windows game. Oh. And now... Um, I haven't necessarily had the best of luck with it. Uh, I was able to get one of the um, Batman Arkham games working. And, uh, let's see, both of the um, Vampire the Masquerade games, um, a couple of others, Uh, the Dungeon Siege games installed and ran pretty well. Um, Witcher has its own um, Linux (laughs) port, but the Linux version is extremely terrible. So it it seems to run pretty good under... um, Well, I was previously running it on Play on Linux. I don't think I've installed it under Proton.
4: So are these the the Windows versions of the games that you're getting and then running it through... Right, so it's kind of like... um, well, why on Linux or, or
5: Lutris or yeah. a variant of Wine.
4: Yeah. Well presum is what well, I was gonna say is this a, is this a Windows 10, but no, it's it's Linux.
5: <laughs> yeah, Proton came out in beta over the summer.
4: You know what I would love to see across the, the gaming industry, this is probably never gonna happen. Um but the idea when when games are um multi platform, which the vast majority are uh, I w- I would love to see it where you you buy a license for that game and that lets you download it on whatever platform you happen to want to play it on, uh, right. rather than rather than having to 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 buy it a second time on um,
5: Steam and only being able to install and play it on Steam. Yeah, I I, I see that there. Now there are some of the older games, especially. Where if you buy them on Steam, they will um, pop up with the uh, activation code, and I'm pretty sure that you could take that and use it anywhere. Yeah, I think
4: uh, I could be wrong, but I think the um, I think the Xbox uh, stuff it's the same. Is that not the same thing? If you play the Sorry? play them play the same games with the same code on um, on Windows, which, uh, which I know
5: that. Xbox. Um, if you own it on Xbox and it is covered by the, or if it's available, then you can also play it directly on Windows.
4: Ah, right. So that might that, that might be just a kind an additional. You pay a bit more for it in the Xbox rather than uh, so that you can get that dual or play anywhere type of thing. Uh,
5: I don't know. Yeah, but I could go over the list of uh, games that I haven't been able to get to work on Proton.
4: Does that does that tend to be just the is there any kind of pattern to that? Is it just games that are like too new that haven't been haven't been updated yet, or?
5: Um, basically, I, I think this is kind of being community driven. And if I really wanted to, I could go out and look up the different settings. But I'm just talking about stuff that's not working out of the box. Um, I, and I did try some of the fixes for like uh, Elder Scrolls, um, S- Skyrim, yep. but the fixes that were out, out there listed on the internet that other people had done and had worked for them because um, of the audio issues and some of the crashing and just the game stalling out, they didn't work for me. I wasn't able to get that working properly. It, it will run, it will play, none of the audio works right. Uh, same thing with uh Fallout 4. Um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City plays absolutely fine. That's an older game. Um, Quake 3 Arena plays good. Resident Evil, I've Resident Evil 4 played decently. There was some issues with brightness, but that might have been something from the game itself. Uh, I have not been able to get Watch Dogs or Watch Dogs 2 to play, but that's because of you play and not the games themselves. Um, Elder Scrolls 3 I wasn't able to get to play, uh, if I remember right. Arkham Origin worked, but Arkham Asylum didn't, Arkham City didn't, and Arkham Knight didn't.
4: Yeah I mean even obviously that's the none of these uh, that you're talking about I guess are really designed to run on Linux. This is a kind of work around to get them running on Linux. Right. Um, but yeah th- this is the type of thing that, um, that I kind of remembered from way back from um, well granted that was, that was people trying to figure out how to play on Windows 98 and XP and stuff but um, you know, just,
5: I, yeah, some of my older games.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- I can look at that and say, "Well, I would rather, if I've got half an hour to play a game, um, I would rather just load it up and spend that half hour playing the game uh, r- rather than rather than spend twenty five minutes trying to figure out how to get the game to work."
5: Well, you know, that's just the first time. After that, after you have everything all set up, it should just work, unless there is an update that bricks it. But
4: yeah. yeah.
5: I like working on this type type of stuff. So, and uh, and I went because I haven't bought anything from there. But I'm also looking at uh, GOG's collection of Linux games. I think I might eventually try one of those. Have you seen GOG before?
4: I know of it. Um, the again, as as far as I'm aware, um, GOG is really a, a PC gaming platform. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I, mean, I don't, I don't play games on the PC. So um, I mean, the one that I, that I wasn't even, I didn't even think about it until until a few months ago was the Humble Bundle. I, again, I figured they would be, uh, they would be PC only as well. Um, and then I, I saw something about um, a deal on PlayStation games through there, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know they did them. So, but yeah, get, uh, GOG. Are they owned by, by CD Project Red? What's what's the connection between them and and CD Project Red?
5: I have no clue. Like I said, I haven't used it before. I just went to their site because I remember hearing about them and I'm looking through to see if there's anything that I'd like to buy and test out.
4: All right, is, there was something about some um, controversy on that appeared on I think it was Twitter maybe a couple of months ago and it was something that I came from GOG, and then people were talking about um, oh, boycott CD Projekt Red. I'm like, what? What? what's? I don't. I don't get the connection. Like, maybe one of them owns the other, or I don't know. Um, hmm. Hmm.
5: CD Projekt.
4: That's the people behind the Witcher, and are the people that make the Witcher, uh, and um, ah. Cyberpunk is it? The the one that's going to be coming out probably late on this year or next year or something.
5: Oh. Oh, um yeah, they had a preview at E3 and it looked really cool. There's Cyberpunk Cyberpunk, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah that did,
4: 2077.
5: That that did look good. Uh, I, I would like to play that one, but I don't know if it's going to be possible. Cyberpunk 2077.
1: Okay. Uh, of all of mean, these I play I play,
4: um, I play older games I'm I'm on quite a budget So I play a lot of older games I've I stopped gaming for so long um, And then I picked it back right. up I've got back into it So there's lots and lots of games That are old to lots of people But they're new to me And I'm sort of working my way through them I'm in no rush So oh, what are you playing? Well I've been working my way through um, Uncharted 1 and 2 um, almost halfway through Uncharted 3. um, I did... Oh, <clears throat> uh, right, like that. um, Yeah, I, God of War. See, when I came back into gaming, I, I'd always been a PlayStation. I'd always been down the PlayStation route. Uh, but I'd sort of stopped gaming for a good, a good decade. When I got back into it, I thought, you know, I've never had an Xbox, so... Apparently, the the Xbox the Xbox One decent console. Go with that. So I did, and I was quite happy. And when um, I started researching games, that what's changed in the last decade plus? What what franchises have came up? What's you know what games that did, did I used to think were good that have fallen by the wayside? That kind of thing. And I saw a video Sorry. on. I saw a video on God of War. And it was just all oh, that. just blew my mind. Was like, God, the war is awesome. So immediately, I did not realise it was a um, that was an exclusive at the time. So I'm watching this on YouTube on my Xbox One. I'm, like, I'm pausing that. I'm going into the I'm going to the Microsoft Store. I'm let's see how much that is. Couldn't find it. I was like, okay, back to the drawing board. Uh, and then I found it was a PS4 exclusive. So it was it was the one game that. Um, the one game that, that basically tipped me over the edge that said I've got to get a PS four was God of War. Um, and then just in the um, in the January sales there, it's down to twenty three quid. Um, so yeah, I pounced on that. I've not I've not actually installed it yet. Um, but yeah, when it came round to the the January sales and the in the PSN store, uh, like that, it's got to be a mistake at that price <laughs>
5: yeah, I a, tend a to not like games that are um, based around microtransactions or their entire gameplay is just online so um, I, I play a lot of older games because of that
1: Yeah, I mean
4: I'm working my way through a lot of single player stuff I don't tend to do multiplayer Right um, so I'm, I'm doing like the, the single player, obviously, but Uncharted is, a single player. I think fourth one, which I don't have, um, I believe that's got a multiplayer side to it. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that's the, the older games, the, the remastered stuff that I never played the first time round. Um, so yeah, I got, I got God of War and, and, um, well, just about two weeks ago, a week ago, something like that. I've not, I've not tried it yet. I've not installed it yet, but, uh, but yeah, it's definitely on the list. That's the only one that comes even close to getting, buying that game. I think that's what, in the same year that it was released. A major AAA title, um, that, that I've, have bought in the same calendar year that it was released. Uh, now granted that was back in April, but still it counts. <laughs> Yeah, most of the most of the games that um, that I get are look at the the older ones, the collections, the um, the ultimate editions, the the ones complete with all the DLC and uh, wait till they're on sales and things like that.
5: Cool. Yeah, I'm looking through. I'm not sure which is newer, if it's Witcher Two or Watch Dogs, but those are about the Newest games that I'm playing.
4: Yeah, I've oh, never I, even. I, I guess I'd,
5: the Arkham games are extremely new as well. So
4: Yeah. The, the, I've got um, The Witcher, The the Wild collection or something like that. The one that's The Witcher 3 uh, that has yeah. the, the Wild Hunt and, and stuff with it. Uh, again, again I, I started that, but it was it was one of these. Um, yeah, it's, it's on the list. It's definitely on the list. Yeah, when it came, when it comes to the what the gaming um, media, all the, the the big releases and news over titles and, and stuff coming out, the I am sort of watching that and, and you know, keeping an eye on um, the wee mental note, like yeah, I'll, I'll once that come, but once that arrives and it's at a good price, then I'll get that. And and of all the E three stuff, the the one that just dropped my dropped my jaw was Swords of Tsushima. of it Swords of Tsushima? Sword of Tsushima? Um, Blades of Tsushima. Uh, it's a samurai one.
5: Hold on. Uh, Blades of sh-
4: Tsushima. Um it's T-S-H-U. Yeah, it's basically, it's a whole open world um, sort of 14th century by the look of it. Um, samurai when you're fighting the uh, the Mongol invaders, and um, it's very, very. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm quite, I'm a fan of history. Okay,
5: ghost, ghost of Sushima. Ghost of Shima,
4: That's that's what it is. That's what it okay. is. Yeah, ghost of Shima. Um,
5: uh, PS4 exclusive. Yep.
4: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm quite a fan of history, so I like. Obviously, games are—they they're, they're always take liberties to tell the story, and um, some some more more so than others. Uh, but uh, Ghost of Tsushima—I wish it had a more pronounceable name. Oh. <laughs> um, right. That—that's one of these things that uh, initially, when I was watching the the demo, I thought, "Yeah, okay, it, it looks good, but is it going to be the the same sort of westernised... Um, impression, kind of faux samurai, um, combat and, and whatever, with all the swords banging against each other and, uh, and then when it came to the actual, the sword or the fighting section of the demo, where it was like two gunslingers facing off. Uh, and then just getting getting ready, and and with the counter attack, and I was oh yes, <laughs> yes, these guys care, these people really care. That's authentic as hell. <laughs> so um, I, I
5: will be back in a couple of minutes.
4: Yeah.
6: Sound ever an issue on Steam?
4: Uh, I, I would imagine that the bill well, kind of got that sorted. But, uh, but then again, I mean, what what other platforms? I, I keep thinking of Steam as Windows gaming or PC gaming. Um, is that is that fair? Is that I mean, do, do people what is Steam just like a kind like of a, a, a portal? Uh, a store, a kind of single client, where you you keep track of all your scores and all your uh, all your, your buddies and all that kind of thing. Um, or is it is it still pretty normal to 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 play games outside of the Steam store, just individual games on a, on the PC? I think it just threw through the Steam client. I put it on Slackware last week. I know EA have got their own. Um, Origins, I think it is. I'm guessing that must be the, the same kind of idea with the client. Um, it doesn't look very good, though, but uh, they've got their own their own kind of version of that. <coughs> Are Steam boxes still a thing? Or have they kind of been and gone and never really took off? Or
5: Yeah, I'm going to have to do some family stuff for a while. I'll probably try to jump on later.
2: Oh Have fun. All right.
5: It was good talking to you, though.
2: Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. I don't think they have Steam boxes in the store anymore.
4: Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago maybe, I was talking about the fabled year of the Linux desktop, which is every year. But one of them was, oh, there's the Steam client and the Steam boxes and, and whatever. That's, um, and then there's like seven or eight different models by different people or different companies with different specs and, uh, and things, and then you've got the the, the obvious one for um, for people who are kind of tech savvy uh, is well, why why would you buy something that's pre-built? Why why don't you just buy a build it yourself and install the Steam um, a bare bones Linux like an Ubuntu or something like that, and um, and the 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 Linux Steam client, you know? seems to work otherwise. I just I was
2: trying to get it on a, a demo video, and I couldn't even get the, the demo video played, and I just couldn't hear any sound. I just didn't know if it was something I did wrong.
4: There are some kind of oddballs like that. Even, I mean, stepping that aside from, from the gaming, I'd set up the Elect, installed OpenAlec as a Kodi box, and found that um, it didn't seem to... It, it didn't seem to pick up the sound on a lot of codecs So I could not figure out how to fix it um, So in the end I kind of just gave up And, and went back to like, Zubuntu with, uh, with the Kodi app Rather than OpenELEC Which is, that's what it's designed to do So uh, yeah, It's strange I Is that possibly A, a licensing thing? or
6: I think the licensing Would be taken care of when you bought the game
4: yeah, no, I mean the, the the hardware for for actually playing it on. If you um, it have if you if you're not getting the sound, um, is that possibly do with the codecs not being not being installed because of of licensing? The sound is there, but you need the the codec for it.
2: It might be just how I have Slackware configured. I'm still a little bit new to Pulse Audio, so maybe I just didn't do something right on there.
4: Oh yeah, uh, Pulse audio. Pulse audios. Um, I, I remember when it was, uh, when it was incredibly, uh, iffy and frustrating. <laughs> uh, but that seems to have improved a lot. Uh.
2: I'm starting to think it might work better on maybe just on an Ubuntu stick just so I can boot in to only, only that to try out Steam because I, it's just all new to me,
6: this part of it.
0: I got the rears on. I'm here. Hi, honky. How you doing? Not too bad. It's been very quiet for the last half hour. So I've noticed. I just got out of work
7: and uh, I'm on my commute home, and figured I'd pop on and listen. Maybe chime in a little bit. It's been pretty quiet.
0: Hope you're not driving. <laughs>
7: I am, but Plumble is nice enough that all I got to do is push a little button and uh, I can still keep my eyes on the road.
0: Right. So you're using the uh, mobile app for uh, Mumble? Yeah, Plumble. It's pretty good. Brilliant. So what brings you here into HPR land?
7: Well, actually, I helped organize this event.
0: Oh, brilliant. That's great. So you're one of um, Gay Wishes' crew?
7: Yeah, Kevin Wishard actually—he did a lot for uh, setting that thing up this year, and um yeah, it's uh, me, Kevin, and Ken are basically the ones who set this up. I'm the one who was going to have the fun afterwards of uh, doing the audio editing and getting all the show notes together. Excuse me.
0: Ah. I don't envy you that task. I've been doing it uh, some of the audio editing for uh, Mintcast for the last few weeks, and I know how difficult that is just with an hour and a half, two-hour show. So trying to put twenty-four hours together is going to be a nightmare.
7: Yeah, but uh, it's it's. You gotta take take it and then figure out how many hours you want each section to be. So whatever you get for amount of time. So it, like in the past, it's been like twenty one hours after you truncate silence, and then you want to figure out how many hours you want each segment to be, and then you just gotta figure out where in the conversation you can break it during that time. I mean, it's a task, but it's it's you know, unlike in the past, we're not worried about trying to do it really quickly. So I have all the time that I need to be able to just sit down and do it but that's that's the easy part the hard part is I have to go back and listen to all 21 hours and then make sure that the show notes match up with what what uh what was talked about during that segment so the audio editing isn't that big of a deal it's the it's the getting the show notes lining up with the audio that's that's the pain
0: yeah so I take it you're recording in mumble do you you're obviously recording separate tracks are you no we're not recording separate tracks um i i don't have
7: a lot of great experience uh excuse me recording in separate tracks and putting it all together so i also do a podcast called the linux lugcast it's um like me 5150 actually joe who, who's on the uh, main cast with you he comes on and uh we have another guy uh, netminer who will probably be uh, popping in sooner or later um but when I do it that way, we do it all in just one audio recording, and uh, basically I just run it through a script, and it's, it's a lot easier. It's, there's a lot. To, trying, to, trying to do the recording with multiple tracks is, is, if you're all starting at the same time and all ending at the same time, it works out pretty well. But if like people pop in in the middle, it, it, it messes everything up.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. Joe's been around today, but he's had to pop off and go and do some family stuff. Yeah, and I think you guys have been doing a great job with the, uh, the main cast. I really
7: uh, really like the new crew.
0: Thanks very much. Yeah, we're, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's my first experience of doing a multi-person uh, podcast. I've do- obviously done few HPR episodes, but I haven't done uh, kind of a crew cast before. I find I always work better with more people. If I have somebody I
7: can I can talk to and, and bounce things off of, I I feel like you're going to get more out of me, and you're going to get something better out of me than if you just sit me down in front of a microphone and have me blather on for a while.
0: Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy the interaction. I've just re, I've just remembered I, I actually have had a little bit of experience before I joined the Mintgrass uh, Cast Crew because I uh, did the Full Circle podcast for a few episodes, but uh, uh, apart from that, which uh, we did until about three or four years ago, uh, I haven't had that much experience, and I wasn't doing any of the audio at the time. Now, I know
7: the Linux podcast doesn't have the same audio quality as uh, you guys strive for, but I'm telling you, I have it set up right now where... um, I got some help from some other people and put up together a bash script that uses um SOX to process the audio uh I use SOX I use a um a script that um oh I forget his name came up with that helps with the um the uh, uh audio tagging uh tagging of the files um alright so HPR, when you listen to the community news, the two basic people are Ken Fallon and... Why am I blanking on the other guy? Dave. Dave Morris. Morris. Dave Morris. Thank you. Sorry, Dave. Uh, sorry. Dave's been a big help with a lot of stuff. I was blanking on his name.
0: Yeah, he's a nice guy, Dave. Uh, I, jo- I actually joined in the community show a couple of, a few weeks ago, uh, just before we were doing a Mintcast uh, Recording, so, uh, yeah, it was good to meet up with them on on the community. So what made you want to uh, join the Mintcast? Uh, Well, I've been a user of Mint um, since uh, the early, well, for me, when uh, Ubuntu went over to the uh, Unity desktop, Uh, I'd been playing around with Mint up till then, but kind of unity uh, forced me over to Mint full-time. And I've been listening to the podcast uh, since uh, the early days. And uh, they put out a call a few years ago for hosts, and that's when Joe Ressington uh, joined the crew. Uh, But at the time I was working, so I couldn't join. Uh, But I've since retired, and when they put the call out earlier on this year, I thought... Yeah, I'll see. I'll put my head up, up on the parapet and see what happens. And uh, um, oh, Rob got in touch and said, "Come and join us and uh, arrest history," as they say. Now, you guys ever talked about trying to split the crew up into like? Because how many how many guys are there? There are six. Yeah, we've ended up with six. Uh There was eight people made in. Uh, expressed interest one of the guys isn't able to record on the night we record because uh, of work commitments and the other person has uh, did a couple of shows and then has dropped out so yeah these six of us although uh, yeah uh moss couldn't join us last night because he wasn't well now,
7: have you guys thought about doing like uh splitting it up with like three one uh one week and three the next week or something like that Not that I don't appreciate the the six people all together. I was just spitballing. Uh,
0: We talked about it, but so far it seems to be working okay. There will be episodes when, for whatever reason, like last night when Moss couldn't join us or I'm going to be away during the year at times when I won't be able to join. So I think there'll be episodes where you won't get the full crew. Uh, But so far it seems to be working okay. And Leo's doing a great job as... uh, you know, the main host, and keeping us all in check. Yeah, like I
7: said, I've I've really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, the big thing's been uh, coordinating the audio and getting the Audacity files uh, together at the end of it. Uh, The last couple of episodes, we've had a bit of problem with uh, a little bit of clipping, but we seem to have uh, resolved that now. Last night's recording seemed to go all right.
7: you take all six audio files, and then you you, uh, plug them into Audacity, and... Line them up.
0: Yeah, that's what we've been doing. So bef- before the actual, uh, we start the full recording. We do a count, counting. Uh, we do some silence so that we can strip out any background noise from your local mic. And then just before we run the intro, we do another counting, and that gives us two points that we can sync the audio to. Hi, Netminder. Hello, friends. Hi.
8: Hey, that Miner. I forgot about the time. We push to talk. <laughs> yes, I've been fighting with the audio interface here, so push to talk does work.
0: Yeah, can hear you loud and clear. My voice sounds slightly familiar. Are you uh, a Lugcast uh,
8: participant? Yes, I'm the representative Indian.
0: We don't have minorities on this show.
8: Well, I'm... That is to say, I'm the official non-host of, of Linux Ludcast.
0: Ah, right. So you you one of the ones that just gate crashes it occasionally?
8: No, I just uh, I just play sidekick, let the other guys host. Right. We've just been talking. I'm one
0: of the uh, new Mint cast crew. Uh, don't know whether you listen to that show.
8: I don't do it an, any as many podcasts as I should, and. I've heard of Mintcast, but unfortunately I have not listened to it. You want to listen uh,
0: in a couple of weeks' time? We've got our 300th episode, and we're going to do something slightly different.
8: Well, thank you for the heads up. Uh, I've used Mint, uh, our nice system. Um, I'm a refugee from Windows 7 after Microsoft started messing around, pushing Windows 10.
0: Oh, I jumped ship when they brought out Vista. (laughs) That killed me.
8: Well, I have been studying Linux back in the day. I had briefly, before I worked it, a uh, 386SX machine with Linux on it. Yes, it was a snail, but it was a racing snail. It was a 40 megahertz 386SX.
0: Yeah, but everything was a snail back in them days.
8: (laughs) Well, the SX, being 16-bit bus, was slower than the regular 386. So I had a turbocharged mini, basically.
0: Right, I uh, we had a 386 in the house, but I never used to use it because it was on DOS. Uh, so the only time at that time when we had that in the house, I, the only computing I used to do used to be at work. And then a few years later, I managed to get hold of a Windows uh, 98 machine.
8: Well, I've got a couple of DOS boxes still in the house.
0: Ah, uh, proper old time pro.
8: Well, actually, they're. They're a bit bigger. They're P1s, and they're uh, running the new FreeDOS, which is um, pretty pretty maxed out.
0: I would imagine DOS would fly on a P1, wouldn't it?
8: It does pretty good. Uh, I haven't been hacking them lately, but but uh, you can get internet up. You can get uh, FTP and stuff. I'm planning on them as just basically operating. In the house net, not it, not on the world. Yeah, keep
0: it free of uh, any nasty intrusions.
8: Yep. Also, uh, surprisingly, for those who may may be trying the retro game, uh, I've got USB two working pretty well for uh, mass storage, so I can uh, hang flash drives off of it and stuff. DOS formatted. I was gonna say, did they actually make? Drivers for DOS then
0: for USB. Well, if you dig
8: dig around, you can find drivers for DOS and USB pretty pretty well. I found that the driver was a little finicky about which card it would talk to, but and uh, partitioning a drive with GParted uh, uh, gets you the most bang for your buck uh, as far as gigabyte storage. But uh, you know, it was quite acceptable also uh i use uh, i have cf cards for for a boot device
0: now i don't even know what that is i'm showing me ignorance there. compact flash ah right sorry yeah compact flash cards i remember them well you don't see many of them around now
8: well the thing is that the compact flash pin out and in, in protocol is the same as the ide so it's pretty much DOS native, except a translation layer. All
0: oh, right, I hadn't realised that. So, what's your current
8: uh, main setup? My current main setup uh, is uh, Ubuntu eighteen oh four.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm currently running um, uh, Mate eighteen oh four on uh, a HP tower I've got, but uh, I've got li- I've got Linux Mint on. Uh, laptops etc just upgraded to 19.1 on most of them
8: well i'm definitely an xfce man most most things although i have tried other desktops uh and i've tried a variety from linux lite on up
0: yeah xfce is quite a nice piece of kit I, I used to use it back in the day when i was rescuing old uh, pentium ones and pentium twos because uh, it was the uh, desktop environment that actually worked on low low uh, spec hardware. But uh, these days, where resources aren't really an issue, I tend to I enjoy the mate uh, respin of the old GNOME two environment.
8: Yeah, I'm familiar with Mate and and Cinnamon's retro element.
0: Yeah, it's horses for courses, isn't it? You know, we all find something that we we're comfortable with. Uh, personally, for me, on a de- as a daily driver, a, a XFCE is just a little bit too pared down for me. Uh, so that's why I've stuck with Mate over the
8: years. Well, I can understand that. Um, but again, as some of my machines are, are well, the best, my best machines are Windows Seven era machines. So I've tried to stay a little light on on the interface.
0: Believe it or not, I've just put. To Mint 19.1 onto an old uh, Novo X61 uh, S little laptop about 11 and a half years old or uh, right, I've upgraded it to an SSD and it's got the full 4GB of RAM but uh, Mint 19.1 Mate runs sweet on it
8: I'll uh, have to see I've got a single core Athlon 64 that I might be looking for a system for
0: yeah, depending on what the other specs are of the machine, you might find that Mint runs quite well on it.
8: Uh, I think it's two, certainly 2 two gigs and has a, a 6450 HD graphics. It's quite slow, but then again, I put it together largely as a server, so so the graphics side is not, not a big deal. Yeah,
0: that's the great thing about old laptops. You can uh, usually find some use for them, particularly as... Uh, little servers around the house or whatever.
8: This is an old e-machine tower, actually, but I used it to teach me hacking on more modern hardware, not digging into my main machine. Cool. So what have people been doing?
0: Uh, It's been a mixed bag. I I didn't come on until about... uh, I'm in the UK, by the way, obviously. Uh, So local time for me, it was just coming up to 1 o'clock when I joined. Uh, and I came on for an hour or so, and then disappeared. Just come back on about seven o'clock. Uh, but when I was on earlier on, we were talking about all sorts of stuff. Uh, talking about HPR shows and various things. It's quite, it's quite uh, interesting the breadth and depth of
8: different conversations. Yeah, I've been doing some looking around to getting into software-defined radio, thinking of using some of my older machines as as front ends, and having the display stuff run on more modern stuff at the other end. That's a nice thing about uh, Linux. I could put a Pi up stairs with, with the SDR and then remote he- he- anything that needs heavy lifting to better machines.
0: Yeah, I was thinking a Raspberry Pi would do that really great. You can actually get kits for the Raspberry Pi for those kind of things.
8: Well, I've got some old 32-bitters that, for proof of concept, and then then I'd go to a pod. Sounds good. What um,
0: software-defined radio would you use then?
8: Um, I've been looking at uh, either, well, I may go, I've been looking at this uh, RSP-1A. It's about $100 US or £100, I believe. It's a pretty good uh, purpose-built system. But then again, for... For $20, you can get the original RTL SDR TV receiver dongle. So it depends on on how, how big a bite I want to take the first time. Sounds good. Yeah, well, some of the $100 unit is, is I think, 12 bit uh, sound, so it's much better quality and much better hardware. But the cheap one would allow me to work the bugs out and then upgrade. So, are you
0: into ham radio as well, or is this just for listening stuff?
8: Um, I used to be more into shortwave and general coverage uses. Also, with Linux and, uh, and appropriate software, you can go a lot of, uh, places from aircraft listening to weather, uh, both forecasts and imagery. Right. I'm a listener, but, uh... Generally speaking, I don't do any transmission, but but I would like to be able to explore the uh, the variety of uh, information out there.
0: Yeah, I remember as a kid having a shortwave radio and used to uh, troll the airwaves to see what was out there, but uh, it never really, once I left school and started working stuff, it never really grabbed me to, to go and do anything else. Hi, 51. There's a lot of jumping around the various lounges and rooms at the
6: moment. Dummy's here, but this is my first season mumble, so uh, let me know if, if I'm doing it wrong. Uh,
0: you're coming through loud and clear. Uh, have you got push to talk enabled? That seems to be the preference round here.
6: Yes, I do. It's loud yeah. and clear, is that too loud or just about right?
0: Seems fine to me. It wasn't deafening me, if that's what you were worried about
6: good enough. So I'll be uh, around all day, but uh, I'll be working, so I don't know how much I'll be contributing. But
0: Where are you, DOD?
6: I'm in uh, Louisville, Kentucky.
0: Cool. I'm in Blackpool in the UK.
6: And this might be interesting to some folks in the crowd, but I work on Whiskey Roll.
0: Now, what's that?
6: <laughs> it's a famous place for work. Whiskey in Louisville, Kentucky, um, uh, like Old Forester Maker's Mark. Uh, basically, it's a it's kind of like a bar roll for whiskey. Um, apparently, it's pretty famous. I don't I don't drink whiskey much, and well, actually, I don't drink much. But uh, apparently, this is a kind of a on the. Um, on the tourist attractions for for bourbon. I think bourbon is the, uh, I think that's, I, I might even get that wrong because I, I don't really drink much, but I think bourbon's the, the main attraction.
0: So it's a bit of a connoisseur's kind of tourist place.
6: It's not really touristy, but bourbon's here, So and the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, But it doesn't doesn't really count to me as a tourist place, but I guess that would be the tourist attraction.
0: All right, cool. So, uh, what uh, did, uh, have I seen your name on uh, HPR episodes?
6: Yeah, I've done a couple of uh, of the lower lower quality episodes.
0: I thought I thought the uh, handle was recognizable.
6: That's probably because it's funny listening to Ken say my uh, my handle. But I've been <laughs> following I've been following HPR since before it was HPR. Actually, since before I think before it was Twat uh, Radio. I remember hearing. Some discussion about it um, when it was being thought about. So at least from the pretty much the very beginning.
0: So in HPR land, you're a real old timer then.
6: Yeah, from the listening, I don't contribute much. I probably my first show was maybe four years ago.
0: Yeah, my my first show was only two two or three years ago. So uh, you know I've been listening for quite some time, but uh, didn't contribute uh, for quite some time.
6: Ken lowered the bar and made it too easy, so I, I, I had to.
0: He's got a habit of nagging you. If he knows you, he nags and nags until you give in.
8: Welcome, Archer. It seems the folks slipping into the lounge are doing so by accident.
0: It, uh, you, it's the default place that everyone goes to first because the channel's used for so many other different things because we record Mintcast uh, in this server as well so these different channels once you get in but everyone goes into the lounge first.
8: Yeah I'm familiar with, uh, the, the Ludcast uses a similar system, of course the lounge is is just stacked in a different place.
0: Yeah I suppose the setup is slightly different depending on the server you've got set up. Archer can you hear us now, oh he's, he's got mute on. Yeah, Miner, I'm going to just desert you for a few minutes because I need to go and take a uh, bathroom stop and uh, refresh my coffee, but I'll be back in about 5 or 10.
8: Well, that's that's fine with me. I'm just glad somebody's here. Okay, I'll be back shortly.
0: Anyone else join that, Miner?
2: There's nobody new on right now. Hi, Mongo. I haven't really said anything, but I've been listening for a while. I've been having lunch and just sitting around now. Okay. And uh, what's this coffee stuff? Uh, I thought tea was in,
8: was the thing of England.
0: Yeah, I drink tea or coffee. Uh, I had a, actually just had a cup of tea, so uh, it just depends what I feel like at the time.
8: In case you didn't get it, I'm just teasing.
0: No, I get, I guess that. We, I think, I think tea's got a bad press because of that little party they had in Boston a few hundred years ago.
8: Uh, uh, we're,
2: we're not mad anymore.
8: Pro- probably the best <laughs> that Boston Harbor has tasted in a while. Probably.
2: I've had to give up coffee recently because of my delicate stomach, so uh, I drink tea now, uh, pretty much every day. I'd, I'd cheat and get coffee about once a week.
0: Yeah, I have to be careful how much caffeine I drink, uh, and how much of the acidic kind of coffees that I drink. I have to take everything with milk these days.
2: Yeah, it's the acid; it's my uh, stomach <laughs> burns for days sometimes. Uh, I can't eat pepperoni anymore. That just—I'd give up coffee twice to, to eat a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well being a vegetarian i won't join you in that one
2: isn't pepperoni vegetarian
0: uh no i think it's something to do with the pork they put in it
2: oh yeah that doesn't grow on trees does it not quite in that case i
6: guess i don't eat any vegetables
8: (laughs) well for new year's eve because i'm on certain medications i can't celebrate the way most do
0: I haven't been able to celebrate in that way for the last thirty-two years, so it's no hardship for me.
8: Well, my dad did enough celebrating for
2: several generations. Th- that sounds like a hard thirty-two years. I don't know what you talk mean, no hardship.
0: No, I actually uh, enjoy being sober. It's uh, been the best part of my life.
2: Well, sir, I my hats off to you. You could probably buy a house with what you saved from from drinking.
0: Well, put it this way: When I used to drink and smoke, uh, if I was doing all that now, I'd probably be bankrupt. I don't know how much a pack of f- uh, cigarettes are in uh, America these days, but they're about uh, thirteen or fourteen dollars over here.
2: Yeah, I think they're like a hundred and forty dollars here or something.
0: What for a pack? Pack of twenty? Uh, is that means a pack? Yeah.
2: No, I think it's like six or seven, eight dollars. I, I don't really know. I don't buy them. Uh, but uh they've gotten silly with it. Either, you know, if you don't want people to smoke, just make it illegal for them to smoke. And then it'll be like, Oh, you can't smoke marijuana. Oh, okay, we won't do that anymore, and that'll work just fine. Uh, otherwise, you know, as far as taxing it, it just hurts poor people. You know, that's they—they only—they don't want to tax it too much because then they wouldn't get the revenue because people really might stop smoking.
0: Yeah, smoking rates in the UK have really plummeted. Uh, I don't know about on your side of the pond, but over here it's gone really low compared with what it used to be
2: yeah people smoke a lot less um but you know their 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 reasoning is kind of crazy because um they they said that they they justified raising the taxes on on cigarettes and well tobacco products because it uh it would give you it make you sick and then th- the that would cost the society money from having to um uh, to put you in the hospital and get you you know treat your cancer and stuff but really if you go ahead and just die from your cancer or whatever at uh, typically around the good a good heavy smoker would normally work their 40 odd years retire at 65 and then die and then they wouldn't have to pay them social security actually it saves the government a lot of money if people smoke i don't know why they don't encourage it
0: That's a very cynical viewpoint.
2: And it's not cynical at all. It's just it's just shows the lie when they say how they're doing it to save money in the medical. When it's it's BS. When they could take uh, you know that any money they spend uh, because they're going to spend it if they're going to pay for you when you're sick. What's it going to you know if they pay. 25 years of social security and then they pay for your alzheimer's uh care uh is it better wouldn't it be better just to pay for a little bit of uh of lung problems care and then bury you when you're 65 or 68 or something i think that'd be better
0: mm, i'm not sure about that
6: i think there's enough money to pay for it all myself bezos could pay for half of all of it himself
0: Yeah, slightly different system over here. We've got uh, the National Health Service, so uh, it really does come out of taxpayers' money.
2: Well, doesn't that make sense?
0: Uh, I suppose in a left-handed way it does make sense, but I think uh, there's a lot of money spent on just just the actual health costs of uh, people who smoke, uh, let alone the economic costs of uh, working days lost, etc., etc.,
2: i think if they go ahead and die if they're good if they're good smokers they'll go ahead and die and won't cost you as much in the long run though
0: yeah but before they get there they'll there'll be economic costs before they actually get there
2: well i'm looking at the long game yes you you remember when they get old the non-smokers get old they get sick too they just get some a little something different but they cost money uh, to keep them a lot you know keep them all those years and then they get sick before they die. So it's not like um, it actually makes fiscal sense to keep people alive longer. Once people stop working, it doesn't make sense to keep them around. Now, I'm not complaining. I don't work anymore either, but uh, um, and I'm not in any big rush to, to get it on, you know. But, uh, it, you know, as far as people... Saying that they're doing it, you know, they're uh, against people smoking because they want people to be healthier and stuff. That's that, or you know, or, or the economics part of it at least. Yeah, they're they're, they're lying.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's very complicated uh, economics and uh, the costs of everything and what's uh, what's going to save money and what's going to cost money.
6: That's the problem with syntax. The government gets addicted to the sin as well. Whether whether you use it or not, everybody's addicted.
0: Yeah, the latest one's sugar and fat, isn't it?
6: Well, yeah, and if you tax it, then you, your government, dependent upon the tax, so you, you can't really stamp it out then.
2: That's where they want to, you know, you tax it to the point where it... Um... It is you got the most income without cutting back too much on the people who actually stopped doing it. You don't want to stop people from, from uh, the, the behavior. You just want to maximize the income.
8: Well, a lot of people say that that's why Prohibition, it wasn't because Prohibition wasn't working. Everybody knew that, but the government looked at the fact that they weren't getting the tax money.
0: Yeah, it was also costing them money to try and enforce the law that wasn't
8: working. Yeah, well, they, once they made it legal, they could put the sin taxes back on, and they made their money that way.
2: Did you know that – well, in the U.S. at least, the um, – I don't know if it's that way now, but at least the way it used to be is that the tax for beer, which is the working man's uh, form of drinking alcohol, the tax is significantly higher for the amount of alcohol than it is for whiskey which is the uh, the sophisticated, oh, wait, the government guys, they, that's what they drink. That's what the guy in the Senate drinks. So what would you pay
0: for a typical 16-ounce uh, bottle of booze in uh, America?
2: I pay about $9 for a six-pack of beer. It's six 12-ounce 12, 12 bottles or cans.
0: Um, but what about a 16-ounce, a pint bottle of uh, liquor? Oh
2: liquor uh let's see you would uh normally you get that in f- fifths or liters uh um, a fifth is a fifth of a gallon which is um, you know obviously less than a quart which is less than a liter uh so um, depends on what you're looking at uh vodka anywhere from 10 bucks to uh, almost 30 uh whiskies are more like if it's any good at all uh, Pretty close to twenty to as high as you want to spend.
0: Yeah, but relative to the alcohol content, like you say, there's there's more out bang for your buck if you buy the spirits.
2: Ah, uh, well, the tax is uh, based on the amount of alcohol and the type of liquor it is. So, um, the if you just want to get drunk, you want to go with cheap stuff like really cheap whiskey or or mm, I think wine. I think maybe. Uh, the really you know the the $4 a bottle kind of wine might be the way to go, way to go if you just want to get the most alcohol and you don't really care care that much about it, what it tastes like uh, you can get cheaper beer than what i buy and you can uh although you you can't get much cheaper vodka than i would drink uh you because i i don't drink good good vodka um uh, If I drink whiskey, it's it's not real expensive, but at least it's not real cheap. But I don't drink; I hardly ever drink whiskey. I buy. I think I bought a a, one bottle of whiskey last this entire this entire year, but I probably bought eh, four or five bottles of um of vodka.
0: Yeah, it's similar over here in the UK. That these uh, the cheap spirits, and then you get into the more connoisseur stuff, and obviously the connoisseur stuff's really expensive, but all the people uh, who want to just drink to get drunk, they go for the cheap stuff.
2: Yeah, uh, a certain amount of it, uh, for wine, I usually spend, um, just for just drinking, I'll drink, um, oh, $5, $6 uh uh white wine but uh if i you know for a decent bottle of wine for drinking with dinner or something i might buy a, a red wine that costs somewhere around 12 to 15 dollars uh, more than that is just wasting money i i can't i can kind of tell the difference up to about 25 dollars anything more than that uh it's it's Somebody else has to have bought the bottle, and then I can't tell the difference. Uh, uh, as far as uh, the the most expensive alcohol I've ever bought, I've ever uh, d- drunk is is champagne, and I can tell you, for me, fifteen dollars champagne and hundred dollars champagne is pretty much identical.
0: Uh they've done loads of uh, customer satisfaction surveys over here, and they've found that out that the uh, the cheaper the cheaper champagnes. Uh, if you get a reasonably cheap, um, reasonable cheaper champagne, they can be just as good as the really expensive, you know, 50 to 100 dollar bottles.
2: That's my opinion. I've had several, uh, bottles of, of 100 plus dollar champagne that somebody else has bought. And, uh, when I've bought it, the four or five dollar champagne is not good, but, Twelve to fifteen dollars or so is not bad champagne, and tastes pretty much like the hundred-dollar stuff. Uh, and I've never bought anything like in, you know, forty dollars. Yeah, if there is such a thing, it's it's like I I quit when it gets like, ah, oh, this is pretty good. It tastes pretty much like a hundred-dollar stuff.
0: Yeah, sounds sounds a pretty similar story to over here. Like I say, though, it uh, doesn't particularly worry me because I don't drink the stuff
2: yeah I, I understand and uh every now and then i i don't drink for a while but i, I tend to drink some i uh, over the years I, I haven't drunk a lot uh so I, I drank a little more than i'm re- now that i'm retired because if i decide to start drinking at eight in the morning i can if i want to uh you know uh when you work you can't do that so uh i i started drinking a little bit more but i still uh, not a heavy drinker i've never been a heavy drinker but uh uh, I like British uh, beers. That's kind of the... The pale ales are kind of my thing. The uh, uh, Although I sometimes do the IPA, but that's British too originally, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, the Indian pale ales were originally manufactured so that they could uh, send them to, to the troops in India um, when they were travelling over there during our empire. So... Uh, and it, and it kept on the, tra- uh, you know, travelling-wise.
2: Yeah, they're bitter enough not to lose their bitter, I guess.
0: Yeah. They, have, you, uh, have you got this craze that we've started in this country where we get these microbreweries and they just produce enough for one or two bars?
2: They just produce one or two what?
0: We, in this country, we've got... Um, they they give a tax incentive if you're not producing a massive amount of beer. Uh, they don't tax it quite as heavily. So we've what's happened recently is we've got a, a kind of a, a craze where these micro breweries, so they just brew enough beer to serve the bar or one or two bars. Uh, most of the time, they're actually uh, brewing the beer on the premises where they're actually selling it.
2: Uh, yeah. those, every state in the U.S. is different and they, those, um the, the liquor laws are all local, uh, uh most of it, you know, some of the, the taxing is at federal and I guess there's some federal controls, but basically things like that are done at the state level. Uh, I think it's probably Texas was, I'm, I live in Texas, uh, it was one of the last states to have microbreweries because Uh, um, there's a really big budweiser plant here in houston and by uh, i hate to tell you this but you can thirty or forty thousand dollars used to buy you an entire uh just a very significant part of our state legislature and uh you you could purchase them for for the for a session (laughs) for a really reasonable uh, fee um and so you couldn't you couldn't uh, open a, a, a microbrewery you literally had to um uh, the law at one time said that something like um in order to sell beer that was brewed on the premises you had to uh sell at least some really 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 large amount of beer. You had to make a certain amount of beer, and it was it just happened to be the amount that no brewery in Texas made, except that one brewery in in Houston, was the only one that made that much. Also, the it, it that brewery had to be in a city that was at least. Um, a million people or something, which only like two places in, in Texas uh were big enough to do that. So it, it essentially meant only one place in Texas could you have a brew pub and that was on the site at the um uh, the Budweiser brewery. And that's the way it was here for for decades. And until most states in the US had a um had microbreweries. And eventually it's been twenty years now since they or more since they stopped that but that that was kind of how it was set up for a very long time uh because uh and i think that that um that's the way it is now but i think that you can still procure uh texas legislators pretty cheaply
0: yeah that's big corporate muscle isn't it keeping the small guys out
2: but there's 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 a lot of nice uh, local breweries uh, i drink uh, mostly local beers um, not entirely and when I don't, uh, most of the ones, I, the other ones are fairly small breweries in other places. I like beers from Oregon and Colorado. Um, and, uh, every now and then I drink beers from, uh, from England.
0: <laughs> so what beer would you drink from England then?
2: Newcastle is, uh, the most recent one I've, I've had, but, uh, oh, guys, uh, there's something, called speckled hen uh, that I've oh, yes. yeah, heard that one <laughs> that I, I had recently and uh I, I drink lots of different stuff. I you know I say, hmm because I'll go in thinking, oh I'm gonna buy this and I get there and they don't have any. So I oh darn what am I gonna get? And so I just look and see. Oh, I don't think I tried this one. So um the description will be something that's oh, I like this type. Let me try that, and that—that's how I got the speckled hen thing. It had an interesting story. If you put an interesting story on the package, I'm going to buy it. And uh, <laughs> that one, the—it uh, was a some story about a uh, an MG uh, automobile. St- that got speckled from sitting next to where they were spraying paint or bird droppings or something. I don't remember what the, the, and the hen it was actually a, uh, it was a car. It wasn't a, a chicken, but, uh, and that's, so, oh, this is an interesting story. Let me try this beer. I think I bought a couple of six packs.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if the story is true, though. <laughs>
2: Well, for one thing, there's at least two separate stories. i I later got on the internet and, and they admitted they didn't know what was true, uh, on the website for the thing. And it told, I think it told two different versions of it on the website. So, uh, as far, but it had something to do with that car. It's just they weren't sure exactly what the story was. And, uh, but hey, you know, like I say, you got a story. I'm going to stop and read it and, uh, I might buy your beer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good marketing.
2: But to the, to the question, I do
6: think that um, the microbreweries had a kind of a bump, but I want to guess it's 10 to 15 years ago just based on I, – I, I drink about one beer a year, so – but based, based on the places I've seen, I would say maybe 10 to 15 years ago we really went through that. It's my – that's how it looks to me.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not very good with dates. Uh, I don't know when they were. I know that um – West Coast is always ahead of everything else uh, over here, and California, Oregon, and uh, or I think Oregon's really famous for their microbreweries, and that's the first place I ever uh, had a local beer. Uh, it was, certainly wasn't Texas where I live, uh, but I don't know exactly how long ago it was. Whether it was twenty years ago or or ten years ago. Before that was I was drinking more either English I used to drink Fuller's um god what is um ESB and I've and I used to drink German beers um a lot But once I stopped drinking uh uh Budweiser which I can't even I couldn't drink a can now at all and but I've drunk plenty of it
0: have you ever had a bottle of the uh, stuff from Czechoslovakia, or the Czech Republic as it is now, the original uh, Bud Brewery?
2: You know, it's I actually had uh, some just not too long ago uh, that was a Czech beer. Uh, I don't know that it was from the original Bud <laughs> Brewery, of uh, Oh, what was the name of that? It came in a four-pack, sixteen ounces a can, and each can was decorated differently. But there was it was all the same beer. It was a logger. I don't drink many loggers, but uh, European loggers are usually a, are a little better than the American ones. Uh, yeah, I know about the name and or i I'd rather i i have been aware of the story about the name i don't recall well, much about it right now but uh yeah I, I remember that uh it's like the only place in the world you can't sell american budweiser because of the name
0: that's right yeah
2: well they're better off for it
0: yeah i had a couple of bottles of the old bud before i uh, ended my drinking career and it wasn't the best experience i've ever had
2: <laughs> oh I've even had warm beer in London, uh, at a place where they, they, um, back about, gosh, 35 years ago, when some place, some pubs didn't refrigerate, the beer wasn't cold, and it was cool, but it it wasn't cold, and I don't know what it's like now, I, um, I haven't been to London lately, but, uh, the first time I went, it was, uh, well, actually the most recent time I've been there. The only time, it's, have I only been there once? I think I've only been there once, about 35 years ago.
0: Well, traditionally, cask-conditioned ale was never refrigerated um, because it was kept in cellars, which were, you know, a cool temperature. They were, you know, they were below the temperature in the main bar. Uh, so they were, you know, they were cool, but they were never refrigerated, uh, because it was a natural beer.
2: Hey, and they're designed as such, and, and they, the flavors were probably tweaked for that to be, that's the drinking temperature, and they, I had no problem with them, uh, uh, I mean, I can drink warm beer, that's not a, I can drink much, pretty much anything, but, uh, the uh, I think it was like I was at that time I was still drinking Budweiser I think and uh, and cold because you sure couldn't drink it warm and um I go there I go in a pub and I just get whatever the local beer is and and it's not even cold I'm going is this right <laughs> you know I didn't complain about it but <laughs> I don't think it would have done me any good <laughs> and I figured it out after I had a couple of beers there over you know in different places that oh. They don't, it's not cold <laughs> it's not supposed to be cold and it, it was it was good beer too,
6: yeah I was gonna I thought s- it was because it had hundreds thousands of years um being made and drunk without refrigeration well, well, there was a joke with some motorcycle guys that i uh,
8: used to hang with when I was young that uh, British beer is served warm because of lucas' refrigeration
0: <laughs> I was gonna say that Uh, there's a campaign over in this country called the Campaign for Real Ale and uh, I remember when they first started producing uh, cask um, the uh, fancy pressurised beers that kept forever Uh, and they started putting them through coolers and they campaigned
8: against them for the the real deal For those who may not have followed British motorcycle maintenance Lucas electrics are known to be, well, they're the, they're not uh, the most reliable systems ever invented. Right. What bike did you use to ride? Oh, I didn't ride, but a couple of friends of mine did, I I hung around with a whole bunch of people.
0: So you've never been a Harley man then?
8: Not really, uh, although some, some of my friends were Harley people, a buddy of mine, uh, Was at a uh, big BMW and which he had to turn away the uh, turn over the valve covers because they were getting a little worn.
0: Yeah, I used to ride a bike over in this country, but uh, no longer. I
2: always, when I was young, I always wanted a Norton or and um, uh, um, the Triumphs were, were big favors, but the Norton back in the Oh, the, 60s, the late '60s was uh, just really, really <laughs> what I wanted. I ended up riding Kawasaki's later on.
0: Yeah, but even those uh, '60s uh, Norton's and Triumphs—they were—they were leaking machines. It was only when the Japs came along and started producing ones that didn't didn't spew oil, oil all over your garden path that uh, they started to tighten up things.
2: Oh, I did know that. I mean, it's not like you don't know those things. Um, I actually had a friend that had a Triumph um, a TR4 automobile, and it was just a real problem. He, he said he spent more time under it than in it, but he still loved it.
0: Yeah, I had an old uh, Mini uh, 30-odd years ago, and it used to drink more oil than it did petrol.
2: I had a Mars miner, uh, in his late sixties that was, um, it was pretty close. <laughs> the amount of oil <laughs> I put in, in the gasoline, it got, uh, in excess of 40 miles to the gallon of gas. And I put a pint of, of oil in it every time I filled up the gas.
8: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Well, Harleys were all also known to mark their territory back in the day.
0: Yeah, I think a a lot of the early motorcycles were like that. It was uh, when the uh, better quality engineering came in in the 70s and the 80s that things started to get better.
2: You know, you mentioned the Japanese bikes, and it could be that they just said, hey, look, we can do it. Why can't you? And they said, oh, crap, I guess we could, too, if you wanted to. I guess we will.
8: Yeah. You uh, want to hear somebody curse, though? Uh, I think it's, what was it? atf or trw that bought harley for a while one of those big conglomerates.
2: yeah during the hard times who owns harley now then it's a publicly held company i think it's independent okay you know what let me not say that i don't know if it is or not um i want to say um i I just remembered um almost remembered a company that did own it um this, its stock is still, you can buy Harley's stock. That doesn't necessarily mean that company is a totally owned subsidiary. It, um, it just means that they allow, uh, you know, it means that some, you know, it could be that 70% of the stock is owned by some big company. And so I don't guess I really know. So whatever I said, forget it.
0: Tankinator's just put in, uh, that Harley was purchased by Voith. In the 70s?
2: Did you say Voight?
0: Yeah, V-O-I-T-H. He just said, take that back.
6: <laughs> I should know. I worked right across the street from the headquarters in uh, Milwaukee um, for for a couple of years, but I, I don't know.
2: Well, I don't ride anymore. Uh, I haven't ridden in many, many years. Uh, and it's probably best.
0: Yeah, I haven't ridden for over 10 years now. And... Uh, I've just been uh, told by my doctor I might have arthritis in my hip. So it looks like my riding days are completely over.
2: Oh, I've got arthritis almost everywhere, but I think I could ride if I wanted to. I just don't think it's a good idea anymore. Um, uh, here about, I don't know, I guess 10 years ago, my wife offered to let me go test drive, uh, a, 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 uh, we were driving by, um, a shop that sold um triumphs and and i'm longingly looking at the new things and and uh i ended up stopping and looking and they had besides the new bikes uh they had a bunch of old bikes from the 60s and 70s that they had some of them were just junkers and parts bikes and some of them were uh, had been totally restored and, uh, and I just, oh man. And, and she said, well, you want to test drive it? And I'm going, and the, the owner of the store was, or the, yeah, I don't know if it's the owner, but you know, the, in this, the person working in the store was saying, yeah, go ahead. You get a license. I said, yeah. I said, take it, whichever one you want. <laughs> drive them all. And I'm going, oh man, <laughs> this would be so much fun. But I didn't because they are innately dangerous.
0: Yeah, can't uh, remember the n- number of times I've come off a bike.
8: <laughs> yeah, my bike biker friend said that there are two kinds of bike riders: bikers who've gone down and bikers who will go down.
0: Now, these three, these those that d- deny they've ever been down, and they're called liars.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I remember one time I was uh, saying. I wonder how far I can lean this bike on a I gotten caught in the rain and I said I just wonder how far I can lean this thing on this wet road and uh I mean like 2 seconds later I'm on the road the, the bike is is on its side sliding down the road and I'm still holding on to the handlebars being dragged down the road <laughs> and going oh okay I you can't lean this thing
0: I remember the first bike I had was a little Honda Cub 90 little, I uh, uh, suppose to be classed as a scooter now, but uh, I remember sliding that and it went across across the other side of the road and hit a car. And uh, I got it fixed for the equivalent of about $60, $70, your money. And I think it cost about $300, $400 uh, to fix the car.
1: Radio check over. Hi, Tank. Glad y'all can hear me. AMF bought uh, Harley in the uh, late 60s, I guess, and sold out to a bunch of uh, uh, investors in the early 80s.
0: Thanks. Are you a rider yourself or ex rider?
1: No, won't, won't catch me on those death machines, but I live uh, pretty close to uh, the York, Pennsylvania plant.
2: Ah. Uh. I, w- I wish I had um been an early investor after the most recent bankruptcy of uh, of Harley because I think that stock has probably gone up many times uh since uh has since then be a good time to sell it frankly well I probably would have sold it this last year at some point yeah, the uh first
1: off uh how many uh thirty thousand dollar motorcycles can the world buy you know
0: yeah, yeah. there are they're a bit of a Rolls-Royce in this country as well. You pay you pay about uh, $30 just to get a T-shirt.
1: Uh, second of all is they're really abusing their uh, workers, they're threatening to move plants offshore, which is bizarre considering their, their primary uh, draw is that they're American-made.
0: Yeah, but wouldn't that mean under uh, Trump's uh, latest... Uh, trade things that they'd end up costing uh, twice as much?
2: I'll probably only 25% extra. You wouldn't mind that, would you? you know, what's, what? fun, what's
1: funny about that is we've got the tariffs that really haven't gone into effect yet. And uh, like Ford and uh, Chevy are trying to blame their, their woes on that, which, again, they haven't gone into effect yet. And Toyota, Nissan, BMW all
6: have plants in the United States. And they haven't had to raise their rates. Yeah, I've been saying that probably the effect of that will be that um it'll drive uh places offshore under the guise of running from the tariffs and then the tariffs certainly won't amount to much at all, but um yeah, but that'll be the result.
2: I think Ford was already in trouble. I think they, they had already, had they already, uh, if they hadn't already announced that they were going to stop making cars, they had already figured it out that they were going to pretty much just stick with trucks and vans and, um, Mustangs. That's the most short, short study decision I can imagine. Yeah, I didn't like seeing them do it. I'm a, I've am been a Ford stockholder for, for many years, but and uh, I like the dividends, although right now I'm weighing the hole on the stock price.
1: I think that decision doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, do they think that the truck market's going to last forever?
2: Well, if you lived in my neighborhood where 80% of the vehicles that drive by are, are pickup trucks, and most of those are Fords, uh, yeah, that's what they think.
0: So are they running a big electrification of those things, or are they uh, still in the dark ages of the uh, internal combustion
1: engine? I don't uh, Ford doesn't have any electric vehicles as I'm aware of.
2: Yeah, I don't know about them doing any electrical stuff either, uh, although it would be a good idea. Uh, I know a guy's got a Tesla, and he boy, he really loves it. He's had it for several years, and uh, um, and it, it kind of makes sense. I would, I would like, I, I'm thinking if, if my, I had a major motor problem with my car, I might consider doing a conversion. Uh, but, uh, I, I'd like to have an electric car.
1: I take that back. Uh, I remember seeing something about Rangers, a limited rental thing back in the late 90s where they converted Ranger pickup trucks to all electric,
6: but they were all, uh, rentals, so there aren't, they, they uh, took them all back and destroyed them i wonder if it i wonder if it's easier or quicker now to change tooling and so they're thinking if they need to switch then they'll switch later that's what i'm that's what i'm wondering if, if that's getting bigger and faster like software development
0: yeah it's going to need some big manufacturer in america though to uh actually grasp the uh the bullet and uh turn over to um, making mass-produced electric vehicles to make them popular over there, I suppose. Because at but the moment, they're really a premium in price, aren't they?
1: They're a premium, and they're also inconvenient with uh, the lack of infrastructure and in the long charge times. I mean, even if they've got the hyperspeed thing that the Teslas do, it's still a lot longer than it takes to fill up a tank.
6: Oh, yeah. But, but yeah that's why yeah, I think
1: that Chevy with their Volt, uh, that didn't push that as hard as they should have. That's the best of both worlds, really. It's a, it's a uh, electric or gas electric. So it basically, just the the motor just charges the battery, essentially, which is great. Great, great vehicle. Uh,
2: BMW has a car like that. That's got a like a little three, one and a half liter three cylinder engine that. Uh, You can it's it's got a plug-in electric, and you don't have to ever run the engine. But if you are going a long distance, you you can fire up the uh, the little motor and keep it charged. And uh, going up a hill, it's got plenty of juice to get over the hill. And going level, probably that um, three liter that one and a half liter engine is probably enough to just cruise at you know seventy miles an hour. And continue to charge the engine a little bit, uh, the battery a little bit. So, yeah, that would be great for long distance. But, you know, a pretty good percentage of the people in this country, at least, where we have very little uh, public transportation, have two cars per family or more. And so if one of of them could be electric and um, for the last... 20 last for the last 30 years my wife and i've had two cars and um for 28 of those i've been within four miles of where i worked an electric car would have been fine and when we went on a trip we'd always take her car <laughs> so uh, my car is very low mileage and uh or the the two cars i've had over the last those years that were very low mileage and um she wore the cars out because she drove further to work but even now she only works she drives probably 20 22 miles each way so less than 50 miles a day uh so she could do electric too even for her job uh and you know like I say if there's one and then you rent a car on the if you want to go on a trip on the weekend you go rent one that takes gasoline
0: yeah, I think that's going to be the start of the way forward is just for local journeys that people have electric. And like you say, they, they rent something that'll do longer journeys, but eventually the technology will catch up and you'll get uh, electric vehicles that can do 500 miles on a charge and then, and can charge up in less than an hour.
6: Well, yeah. I, I think the battery swap is probably the way it'll go. You won't really charge your battery. Um, but um, I don't think we should be too worried or too afraid of the current cost. It wasn't very long ago that the TV that's four hundred dollars at Walmart, that same size was sixteen thousand. So uh, I don't let the the, uh, the the early adopter price scare me too much.
2: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I I was about to say that I think the battery swap is is kind of the way to go uh, for uh, at least a limited. Way. How, I don't know how you do that. You might have to do it in a, like a, you're a member of a AAA club or something and uh, that gives you the ability to swap your battery out. They'd have to have uh, some, the engineering would have to be based around, uh, the two minute battery swap, but uh which obviously it's not now, but uh yeah, that that's that would be something that make a lot of sense. I you also think still they'll standardize.
6: You? Go on, yeah, I think Go. they'll standardize and then you'll just swap them out like you do gas tanks um for the uh, things you use in your barbecue grill. I'm pretty sure that's what, whatever we use for power, if it's not some kind of an instantaneous charge thing, I think that's, that's where to go.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's the infrastructure and having all those swappable batteries in the place where you need them, isn't it? That's going to be the issue.
2: Well, it'll be along major thoroughfares. If if they do batteries, Um, the only they, I mean, they're also looking at capacitors, which would charge super fast. And that's another possibility, is uh, that you there's no battery. It's a or it's a battery capacitor thing. And if they come up with a way to have uh, some type of a device that will charge really fast and get you 200 miles down the road. uh, then they they would that would probably be preferable. But then, of course, then there's infrastructure that would have to be built. But uh, it would not be. only
1: not only infrastructure with that but that that would be extremely dangerous in a lot of cases in an accident. Uh, imagine dumping uh, several kilowatts of energy out at once. Man, would that be fun to watch?
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly from a safe distance.
1: And capacitors can dump that kind of energy quick. I know they don't hold that much power for space, but, uh, yeah, caps are really interesting tech, but they're dangerous. But I, I
2: understand they are working on it, though.
1: I think that the the safety issue is one of the, one of the engineering problems that they're trying to work out.
8: Well, also, uh, has anybody ever thought about um, simple charging trailers for long-range
2: use? I never thought of that. That's That's a great idea. What do you mean you
6: would haul a trailer to charge with i'm sure i'm following you just have a jumper from the trailer
1: that you're telling to have more battery
2: yeah just a small trailer that's got about uh 500 miles worth of battery in it uh that'd be great that's that makes a lot of sense you just go you rent that you go and and pick that up over at uh hertz rent a battery and um and just plug it into your car and off you go what
1: what if it had a, a what if it had a five kilowatt generator on it yeah. Oh, yeah, but, that's that's just dirty.
0: But yeah, then you're <laughs> back. Then you back to gas going, aren't you?
1: Well, I mean, that's it's a it, well, uh, no. high, high well, amount of energy in small amount of space. I mean, frankly,
8: actually, the, there's a couple of problems with with battery power. One is your battery efficiency is temperature sensitive. In cold temperatures, your ba- your your capacity is is much lower than it is in warm temperatures uh which is a problem for those of us in northernish climates or who who have northernish weather i'm saying northernish weather because at the moment everything north of atlanta is having a winter like like new england
0: yeah there's lots of different issues at the moment that they've still not taken on board or thought about but you know give it another 20 years and uh, a lot of these kinks will have been ironed out
8: also the, the difference between gasoline power for charging which can be a very highly tuned system much higher tuned than it can be when it has to be used as primary power
1: that's what i was talking about uh, earlier with the electric uh, or gas electric systems uh much more efficient. They've been using them in ships and they've been using them in in uh, locomotives for years and years and years. You can tune a motor to uh, have a very tight power band and not have to run it outside that power band and it can be tuned to much higher efficiencies than your standard uh, vehicle engine.
2: Yeah, it also doesn't have to run that well at lower RPM and higher RPM. Um uh, which means you don't have to have all the fancy, uh, my car is, you know, yeah, it changes the, the, uh, the timing is changed instantly, continuously, <laughs> um, um, the valve timing is, is adjusted you know a a thousand times a minute and uh none of that stuff would be necessary if you had uh, an engine that only runs at 3500 rpm or if it's diesel you know something 1500 rpm or whatever whatever they run at i don't know and yeah that would that makes a lot of sense
6: it would surprise me if the, the temperature thing hasn't already been solved um or do people not buy Teslas that live up north?
2: They buy Subarus up north.
6: Yeah, I don't think they're uh, you're gonna
1: you're gonna really want to have a Tesla where there's a lot of snow and there's a lot of potential for
6: uncleared roads. But is that because of the battery or does the traction? Both. Well, we've got yeah. a 08 Ford
1: Escape Hybrid, and uh, it runs a heater on the battery. Subsequent models, they, they eliminated the hybrid models because they could achieve uh, the equivalent fuel economy that uh, the hybrid got on a V6. But uh, tech-wise, it worked well enough. But uh, it's nothing to write home about. It's just uh, it's just an ordinary car, really. I often wondered uh, why they never really came up with more uh, more tech, like uh, Sterling Motors on the exhausts and that sort of
2: thing. Well, I like my car, but it's it's very technical, and I don't know if I, you know, it costs a lot of money to keep it running, probably, uh, and I would go electric, um, and something electric with a, a small motor to fire up when necessary wouldn't be a bad thing. that yeah, Volt.
0: I'd go electric, but the economics of getting rid of my current car and moving over to an electric one just don't add up, because I do... Very very uh, small mileage these days, uh, and the amount of money I'd lose on the old vehicle, and then having to buy a new electric vehicle, it just doesn't work out.
6: So the internet it's about forty to fifty percent um, battery um, efficiency loss, capacity loss, in in Chicago. So there you go. I guess it I guess it matters a lot.
0: That's why we don't get good good efficiency in the UK, because it's never warm enough.
1: You guys have a warmer climate than Chicago does.
0: Yeah, just a bit of a joke, that.
1: Yeah, if you look in the Stirling engines, they're really interesting. They run off of heat and air. Again, no good in the cold, I guess. No, no, they're fine in the cold. They run off of... Uh, they're an external combustion engine, essentially. Uh, but you can run them off of... Uh, the small toy ones that you can make in uh, you know, your workshop or whatever, that'll run off the heat in your hand, the differential between the ambient temperature and your hand's temperature.
0: Guys, I'm going to go because uh, my leg's starting to play me up, so uh, sitting in front of the computer is not doing me any favors at the moment. So, uh, it's been nice talking to you. Take well, care,
2: happy new year. Happy new year to you. Thing. Happy new year.
8: Hope you're feeling better soon, and Maybe after a bit of a break, we'll see you again. Oh, I'll definitely join the chat again at
0: some stage, but it's uh, it's coming up to 10 o'clock at night in the UK here, so it'll probably be tomorrow before they close the stream down.
8: Well, it's been nice to
0: meet you. Take care. Happy New Year. Yeah, same, same back. It's been nice to meet you guys and uh, have a great time.
2: I'll step away as well. Uh, talk to you all later. Yeah, this looks like a good time to take a break. Maybe I will, too.
9: I kind of jumped in there while you guys were talking. Hello. Uh, Hello. I'm not sure who was from the U.K., but you're talking about short trips. But that seems like the perfect thing for what uh, some of these electric or hybrid cars are designed for.
2: Yeah, I was saying earlier how that would have been fine for my household, where we've got two automobiles at all times and... uh, I work four miles from home and rarely probably drove more than 25 miles. It would be unusual to go over 25 miles and really unusual to go over 50 miles in a day.
6: Well, I live
8: right next to a uh, dry cleaning establishment, and uh, the amount of waste energy that comes off of that place is
2: amazing. A lot of businesses are you know, capturing that sort of thing, uh, uh, either the heat or waste or something, uh, but not a local dry cleaner. It costs too much money for the technology.
8: Well, I'm just remembering when I was at a uh, uh, condo complex, and they were using heat pumps, and sometimes the, if I recall correctly, the the temperature of the working fluid was only like 70 degrees.
2: That doesn't sound warm enough. You're talking about the, the, the refrigerant the refrigerant used to heat this space?
8: That's what struck in my mind, although I don't know what scale they were using.
2: Ah, okay, I'm sorry. My brain only works Fahrenheit, uh, uh, so <laughs> it's possible that would be just fine in centigrade.
8: I was assuming a Fahrenheit scale. I knew that uh one of the things that this place did is it converted from electric boilers uh talk about a way to burn money to um to city gas.
2: If you think about it, think about how electric cars work. You know how you take your foot off the gas as it slows down or you take your foot off the accelerator it slows down and it uh the the motor then acts as a generator and uh recharges the battery so you don't lose any of it. If you were to take that idea and put it into more things and I'm sure other factories and stuff are using uh similar ideas to 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 capture what has been in the past waste energy uh, You know, that'll go a long ways. And uh, I'm sure they're doing that in a lot of places.
8: Well, how much heat is being dumped by uh, air conditioning units in large structures?
2: Well, if a building is dumping heat from the coolers and making heat somewhere else, that's something that can be fixed. Um, And you might also connect something on it that would take that heat and turn it into electricity i suppose um but usually where you've got something as waste it's because you actually need it but yeah when you mention the cooling uh especially like a place like here in in houston where we air condition for pretty much the whole year um there's always a lot of waste heat uh produced um a lot of that could be turned into, you know, something useful.
9: As you mentioned, the technology for that is too expensive. It'd be great to start seeing that streamlined.
2: Yeah, there. Um, the the place I worked um, retroed their air conditioning systems of. Oh, I'm not sure how long ago. Um, somewhere. Probably around fifteen years ago, maybe not quite that long uh where they put a system in uh because the electricity's cheaper at night because um everybody needs electricity during the daytime when it's hot they run their air conditioners, so we would um make cold water at night, we'd run refrigeration unit and we would chill this million gallon tank of of water uh to just above freezing and then um during the day when it was hot you take that cold water and run it through coils and blow air across it and that's how you cool the building and but the air but there's no refrigeration machines are running during the daytime when the electric rates go up so at a certain hour no electricity is running to uh, power a compressor so all it's doing is running water pumps and fans which are uh, use a lot less electricity and uh, it's more efficient and we got a kickback from the electric company because that kept them from having to put in more capacity for uh, um, for power and we got a kickback from the government for for doing something you know, uh, good for the environment or, or others. So we end up getting a significant part of the cost of the uh, system uh, kick back from the government and from the electric company.
9: I have noticed it does seem like uh, industrial places t- tend to use water chillers a whole lot more often. Here in El Paso, we don't have to use quite the, uh, we don't have to chill the water at night. We can just evaporate it and that usually works pretty well for most air conditioners and uh, other cooling systems on the 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 commercial or industrial level
2: y'all use evaporative cooling in on industrial uh, type of buildings
9: uh, a lot of times you'll see outdoor water chillers which are essentially giant evaporative coolers uh, they might do a little bit more cooling after that but for the bulk of the the heat removal uh, Will be on some sort of evaporative like chiller.
2: That's great. Uh, I I know, uh, well, I used to have friends in uh, Odessa, and pretty much every house had evaporative cooler. There's very little refrigerant, uh, refrigeration type air conditioners in Odessa, it seemed like at least back a few years back.
9: Yeah, it's changed a little on the uh, residential level. A lot of people like to have uh, the refrigeration because some of those months it does get a little humid. I think around late J Jan- late June, early July and then also the refrigeration does get a little bit cooler but on the you know, the industrial level definitely.
2: Yeah, I know they use the coolers but the uh often those um a, a chiller is associated with other other types of equipment that have waste heat. So that's not necessarily uh cooling the building. Uh, uh I mean uh, I've worked in uh, hospitals where they had a, a, a big chillers, but they didn't have anything to do with the air conditioning system. They were used for cooling other types of equipment.
9: Well, that is true. There, There is a lot of stuff that, that that does that. But I have seen, like, at the local library, I saw where they actually had the water lines um, running into, like you said, coils for the, the venting system.
2: Well, I think it's a great idea in a place where the humidity is low enough for uh, for the swamp coolers to work. Uh, that's uh, I wouldn't mind paying less for for cooling my house, uh, but you can't do that here because the humidity is too high most of the year.
9: When does it drop below 100% humidity
2: over there? How oh, come on, it's not that bad? Well, just today. <laughs> so,
8: what, one of the interesting microcomputer projects that I ran across was somebody in in vermont had added um atmospheric cooling to his uh to his freezer system that's but,
2: not a terrible idea if it's a place where you know a couple of months out of the year you can uh it's actually cold enough
8: well i suspected that there's a large chunk of the northern united states that could save gobs of money from similar systems my brother was a long-haul trucker and he was going through one of the northern states i recall forget which one, and he said he looked back, he was hauling a refrigerated trailer. Standard refrigerated temperature for solid frozen items is 20 below zero Fahrenheit. Well, this refrigeration system was saying that it was running the heater to keep things at 20 below.
2: Yeah, I have a brother-in-law that lives in Alaska. I suspect he's got an entirely different set of problems than we have down here. Oh, like uh, an earthquake a couple weeks ago.
8: Yeah, I used to have the earthquake widget in, uh, XFCE running and you'd have a constant stream of little quakes and quite frequent six. Hey
5: Paul, hey Netminer, hey Honky, hey Joe. Good to see you on here. Well, we were going to come try and hang out with you this evening after supper with Jackie's family since this is probably our last day in town.
9: Well, yeah, I'll try to make sure. sure
3: I'm
5: but since we're driving tomorrow, we're not gonna do that whole New year's thing yeah. Jackie says hi 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 he says hi back oh is is Chris gonna jump on mm, I don't know
9: uh, but I was interested to hear um I'm sorry I didn't see who it was finished talking about the earthquakes and refrigeration systems
8: yeah I got uh, when I I had the earthquake widget on xfce and know, uh, Every little while, I'd get a a dialog. I get a, a alert box that would say that there's been a numbers uh Richter six earthquake at a certain location. They're pretty frequent, a couple of times a day, I think.
9: Yeah, you definitely want to have uh, some sort of a refrigerant or halo detection system, and that you don't want to suffocate yourself if you have a uh, earthquakes going on that could rupture the pipes. So how's that seventy one thirty treating you, Paul? Um I haven't played too much more with it. We almost ended up using it to do the live stream for D&D the other day, but then the, Sorry about that. Finally got the computer that was supposed to be doing it working again, so but uh I haven't gotten the Wi-Fi working on it yet. And the the card that I ordered. Did you Yeah, I ordered a card, but I just found out that it's not supposed to be here until February. Ouch. Tr- that's horrible. What a different one? Oh. I should. I think I only paid like $17 for it, so it's not that expensive. Well,
5: the link I sent you was one for $12, and it should have been kind of quick.
9: The only problem with that one is is it was not an M.2 like the other one is. It's a. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, okay.
5: Uh, it was one of the ones that was listed on that uh, webpage I sent you. That's why I sent you the link on it.
9: It was, um, but. It wasn't the the, the M.2, and so I was looking for an okay, M.2 okay. one.
5: Okay. okay. I'll keep that in mind if I end up ordering one. Because it, it, it looks
6: yeah. like the processor is
5: faster, and it has the same amount of RAM as the 102HA
9: that I have. Okay. That I have. Yeah, so far, it performs very well. Um, I've had to... The only Wi-Fi device that I've been able to get working on it, though, around here, has been my phone. I've plugged my phone into it, and I've gotten Wi-Fi or data, whichever way. On that, uh, and you know, I've been doing stuff with that. But uh, I also have a problem with the on-sc- on-screen keyboard doesn't auto-populate when I open up Chrome or Firefox, and I can't figure out how to get it to force yeah.
5: it. Yeah. I don't know. What I did was um, I added a quick launch key in the taskbar specifically for just the on-screen keyboard, so I could pop it up real quick and drop it down real quick. And that was also how I implemented um, right clicks on a couple of the devices that didn't have it built in.
9: All right, yeah. Um, the Mint, and I'll check that out. I'll, I'll probably end up doing that. I was about—I was going to ask you about it, but it, you know, you got to it first. On Mint, though, it just has a long press, the, long press, the primary key, and it will initiate the secondary key. And that works
5: in some applications. I know it works really well in Chrome, but um, sometimes on the desktop itself, that hasn't been working for me. And so um, the keyboard, um, if you adjust the keyboard a bit on the styles, you can get this one that gives you all the different clicks that you can do with the mouse, a double click, um, a right click, a center click, and click on that first and then um, push wherever you want the, the right click or the center click.
9: Yeah, the uh, way that the Android app for VNC that I have works is pretty, pretty intuitive with all of that, and I wish that Mint would do it, something like that, where, yeah, you, you, you can zoom with it, you... you Actually, the way that um, Ubuntu does it also works, too.
5: Uh, well, you can install Ubuntu if you want. Um, I'm just a Mint fan. A Mi-
9: well, I mean, I like Mint, and the added benefit is that it did have more of the, the drivers necessary for, for things, and that's probably why the tilting worked just straight out of the box with that. Right. But I do like how if you, if you tap two, two fingers with that one, it will do the right key. And then, you know, you can also zoom, in if you scroll with... You don't scroll with one finger, but you can scroll with two fingers.
5: Right. No. see, um, some of the devices do have the two-finger scrolling, but I'll start the two-finger scrolling, and I guess I either move my fingers close together or farther apart as I start scrolling, and so then it'll turn into a zoom function instead of a scroll function.
9: Don't have fat fingers. Can't help it. Yeah, I can't either. So how was gaming the other night? Well, we started a little bit late because the uh, owner of the store took off with, the, uh, with some of the, the things that we needed, but we were able to eventually get the cameras going and plug everything back to where it go and got all the updates on the computer running and were able to do it again. And uh, it was uh, riveting, as David's been really good at doing lately. Have you guys
5: had some audio improvements? I know last time I tried to watch, it was a, a little rough.
9: Unfortunately, no. Um, I don't know if you were listening when we had the uh, wireless lapel mics, or if we when we we're using the table mic, both have been been bad. We're currently using the table mic because people said it's easier to understand people, though it, it personally hurts my ears more.
5: Oh, uh, you should. Um, I know that around here, um, the the snowball mic. There's somebody that was selling one, thank you. Um, on Facebook Marketplace for like 30 bucks. I know I showed you the link. It was still up last time I looked, but for all around the table, it's actually pretty good. Okay, you know what? I'll That's check what that I'm out. Right now. That's what I'm using right now.
9: Oh, nice. I should probably get something like that. I'm pretty sure if I showed up with some equipment that uh everyone else will be happy to give it a try. He was currently looking uh, right. at a uh a rather expensive 130 $150 uh, shotgun microphone that required us to get another at least $70 uh, soundboard with phantom power in it just to use it. And I'm like, uh, Kent isn't there another tier that we can go to before we go to pro level? Yeah. Well,
5: this one, it, it's not really it, – it is supposed to be directional, but it doesn't do directional all that well. So it will work for a whole table. And I know you heard the dogs a little while ago, and
9: they're off in another room. Uh, that has been one of our biggest problems as well, is that um, there's an SCA group that goes on right outside, that the store owner has pretty much said that if it's the choice between us or them, that it's going to be us leaving. So, you know, we don't want to... Right. No, but... I
5: mean, we've been... This mic would be...
9: Yeah, and the idea is actually to get a couple of those not very directional mics like that... uh, like, one per side of the table and use those to try and improve the quality sound. Um, we're not so concerned of the, the sound of the dice rolling on the table because we kind of think that's part of the uh, the aesthetic of, the, of things, but, you know, reducing the other background noise would be great and making us, in general, sound not like we're pieces of paper.
0: Yeah,
5: yeah that... First cast that you all did that really sounded bad.
9: Yeah, and um, we know that we do have a few people who are actually following us, so we need to start up and up the, the game on our audio. At, that's the first step. The cameras is the second step because we know that is important, but not nearly as important as us be, as people being able to hear us. Huh.
1: Well, I-